Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Guys, it's the best damn podcast around. This is uh, the place to be. If you're listening, please thank our good friends over at Black Rifle Coffee. They make this podcast possible. I am drinking my third cup of the day, so get ready. We're going to have a damn good time. I don't care if you guys are drinking the ready-to-drink stuff that comes in the can. Uh, I don't care if you're drinking the the K-Cups, you know, which Black Rifle Coffee calls the coffee rounds, or you're drinking uh, the standard ground coffee. Drink it. Drink it heavily. Keep drinking it until you can, uh, you know, feel your heart rate. Actually, don't do that. That's probably bad. Uh, I don't know if you would survive this podcast if you consumed all the coffee that you you want to consume. So drink in moderation. But remember, everything in moderation, including moderation. Guys, Black Rifle Coffee, awesome people, good friends. Uh, Evan, Chris, the crew over there in, in Salt Lake City. Shout out to you guys. Thanks for being great, great friends. Guys, check them out. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Go to their social media and uh, figure out which brew is going to be your favorite. Silencer Smooth, Beyond Black. Today I'm drinking Silencer Smooth. So that's my favorite right now. Guys, this podcast is going to be awesome. Uh, We are jumping right into it. I've got my good friend, Mike O'Brien. Mike uh, was recently a student on our winter vehicle survival course here in Heber City. Actually, no, it was down in Spanish Fork. And uh, it was funny because this winter vehicle survival class, we'll get into it in just a second, uh, is, is a brand new offering that we have. And Mike reached out to me. He's like, hey, I want to do either land navigation with Austin or winter vehicle with you. Which do you want to do? And I'm like, uh, only losers take classes with Austin. Actually, no, I didn't say that. A lot of good people take classes with Austin. It doesn't change the fact that Austin's a little strange. But I said, you got to come out and you got to take the winter vehicle survival class. So we're going to do a review of that class, some of the lessons learned, some of the funny things that happened, some of the great takeaways. Then we'll also talk a little bit about Mike and what he's doing with Fieldcraft, uh, expand upon his background as a professional guide, uh, what he knows about animal butchering, hunting, fishing. This is going to have a little bit of everything. So guys, without further ado, or is it adieu? Is it French, Mike? Uh, it's ado, ado, ado. Okay, without yep. further ado, this is Mike O'Brien. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. Good. So, uh, let's give a little bit of background, and then we'll talk about your your experience. Okay. Uh, How did you find out about Fieldcraft? Um, I uh, I think it was f- through Neil at Ready Gunner, a post when you guys had your grand opening, mm-hmm. and I was guiding that weekend, so I couldn't come up for it. Um, and then I swung in. Um, I started following you guys and looked at some of the, um, cool, um, med kit stuff that you guys have and, and realized, uh, that I was woefully, uh, underprepared in my, in my rig for, um, for first aid. So I, I came in and started chatting. In fact, the first day I came in, um, I knocked on the door and there was no one at the store. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I had a few minutes between, a couple gigs. And so Didi actually was like, Hey, can I help you? Yeah. Um, what are your hours? And there were no hours posted on the door or the website or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just come back. But she totally hooked me up, um, and got me started. And that's kind of how I, uh, was introduced to you guys. Yeah. And right now guys, if you're swinging through Heber city, if you're, if you're trying to find something at the store, the hours are kind of limited because, uh, we are moving things around, right? We're, we're shifting, we're, we're, we're making a lot of warehouse space. So the hours are going to be very limited, but there should be a sign posted on the door now. Like there is you, now, yeah. Yeah. If you need something, reach out to Brenda. She'll drive over from one of our, uh, facilities and she'll hook you up at the store. So, uh, please don't be discouraged if you come by and you don't see the, the lights on, they'll be on if you call. Um, so now you, 
started to like get looped into the fieldcraft fold. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I met you in the store. Yeah. Uh, and it was funny because Danny was like, hey, I got this guy who can get us deer. I'm like, this sounds great because I will, <laughs> I will never turn down venison. Uh, and I was like, all right, let me talk to you. And we we had you and we had Bree from yep. Montana Grit talking. Yep. And, and we're still developing some programs for like hunter education, stuff that you get you don't necessarily get in like a, a hunter ed class right. across the country, but it's stuff that you should know, like yeah. taking care of animals, making sure that you're not going to get sick when you're processing them. Uh, you know, Brie goes over a lot of the women's hunter safety stuff. So uh, we started talking and then at one point you're like, dude, you need to let me know anytime you want deer. I've, they're starting to drop. I, 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 yeah. I, and I was like, fine, come by the, the store. And we spent, I don't know how many hours that day. I think it was from like two o'clock in the afternoon until like nine yeah. breaking down deer. And, yeah. and that was the first time Danny ever really got put his hands hand. on it. Yeah, yeah. Put hands on an animal. So uh, at some point, guys, just know that with Mike, uh, we're going to be bringing him in to do more of that hunter ed training, uh, but not only the basic butchering and basic gutting, but also the finer uh, way of handling the the ground venison uh, the finer way of of processing it into you know flavored sausages and and different things like that so yeah get ready it's gonna be awesome but that's not what we're here to talk about today what we're here to talk about today is something that took you a little bit outside your comfort level <laughs> yeah no absolutely and it was funny because when i when i asked you hey you know should i take the land nav or the vehicle survival, you're like, yeah, yeah, um, whichever, maybe the vehicle survival. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Maybe I'll just kind of stand back and, you know, observe more than participate. Um, and that was definitely not my experience. Yeah, definitely not the case. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I get it. There's no, there's no harm in doing an observer rep, right? There's no harm in auditing a class and just watching from the sidelines. But right. when you actually get hands on and you experience it with other people, you'll have an experience that you will, no one else in the, in in their lifetime will have because that unique training course was unique to that group of people. It's something that no one will be able to understand unless you were there. Sure. Um, so that class, if you guys aren't familiar with what we ran winter vehicle survival, Kevin Owens reached out to me and he goes, Hey Kev, he goes, I know you do. I I'm going to do my worst Kevin Owens impression right now. He goes, Hey man, he goes, you do a lot of winter survival. He goes, I got an idea. And he goes, you a car in Spanish fork. It'll be epic, man. You know? And I'm like, all right, Kev. So I start writing out this elaborate lesson plan. Maybe it's like the teacher and me. And I'm like, all right, daily temperature, hours of daylight. Like I'm running through it. Like if I had to create like a, like a, like a briefing to give to someone like, Hey, I'm, we're going on this trip. Here's everything you need to know. Right. Uh, here's the location nearest hospital. And, and Kevin Owens sends me this email and in typical Kevin Owens fashion is super short. He's like, you're overthinking this. You <laughs> students, give them the problem, let them figure it out. Uh, you know, it's going to be awesome no matter what let's talk. Uh, but it was like super short. Yeah. So I'm like, fine, that's it. All right. I'm just going to let it, let it fly. And I had a, a general idea of what I was going to do with you guys mm -hmm. on that course, because I was like, all right, we have to address survival needs. We have yeah. to address survival mindset. But then, uh, I was like, a lot of this is just going to happen organically. Like we're going to see something and it's going to become a lesson. So, <laughs> so we start promoting this course and I've got people reaching out to me like, do we have to spend the night in that car? And I'm like, no, it's a day long class. And, and don't get me wrong. I want, I want to do courses in the winter with you guys. If you're listening, I am absolutely down to wipe my ass with snow. I'm absolutely down to, to like lay in the snow and make a snow trench and sleep in a snow trench uh, with students. I have no problem pushing it, but we don't want to beat you guys up too much because that, that's way more yeah. advanced. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's jumping into the deep end of the pool, especially when you're talking about winter conditions, because, you know, Mother Nature does not. <laughs> there's she she never loses. Yeah. It, it was just meant to be like a, hey, this is what could happen. Yeah. Here's a, let's get your feet wet and then let's build and maybe we'll do something advanced. So. Right. So the courses is put up. I get a whole bunch of people that are, you know, you know, tire kicking. They're like, oh, well, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it. And then I always get that response. Oh, you know, I'm out of town that weekend. It's like, yeah, it's convenient <laughs> that all these these tough things that challenge your grit are always when you have something to do, right? Like you can't, well, I don't even want to get there, but uh, maybe that's just me being like a salty instructor. But uh, in any case, um, the course runs, we've got three students. It's you, it's Al, it's Monica. Yep. And we show up and the vehicle you have to use is the range car that we shot the crap out of. Dude, it was ripped up. Yeah. I mean, that's the one that Mike Lover is demonstrating in all the videos like, oh, yeah, I love the 30 caliber as a truck gun platform instead of the 556. And he's shooting through the, the, the windows. Every bit of glass was shot out of that car. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's broken glass all over the place, which it actually worked in our favor yes. because, you know, Rob Parsons, our director of marketing, super, super paranoid. He's like, these students are going to be sitting on top of glass and oh, my God, it's going to be so dangerous. I'm like, Rob, it's a simulated car accident. Yeah. Like, of course it's going to be dangerous. There's a level of danger in every bit of training. And when people are Go like outside oh, driving yeah. the car, our, our first priority in this training class is safety. Then stay home, right? Yeah. If that's really your number one priority, then don't train. Cause you're probably going to be dealing with, in our case, broken glass on a shooting class, firearms on a survival class, mother nature. Like, right. so if you, if you hear someone say their first priority is safety, then they're wrong. It should be a priority. I think the first priority of a training class is training and learning and, you know, a teacher doing their thing and instructor doing their thing. So you can't have an experience if, if all you're worried about, you, you become a helicopter parent, exactly. right? Thank you for saying that you become a Karen, right? hundred yeah, percent. Um, and what's it, what's the male equivalent of a Karen? Oh, dude. I know that like the douchebag male equivalent is yeah, like yeah. a Chad or it, a Kyle. Yeah, I don't know, but dude typically has a man bun, skinny yes. jeans. Yes. Right. A tight fitting flannel. Yes. Right. And, and a, and a beard that he's been growing for two months. Yeah. And he probably spends a lot of money on, <laughs> on like beard oils right, and things like that. Totally. And, and, and hey, no disrespect to guys that, that have like legit beards and they do good stuff, but like, come on, man, like don't spend that much time on your, on your looks. <laughs> yeah. No one cares. Uh, yeah. So, so you guys show up, you get, you get into the vehicle. Uh, and that was actually the first lesson, right? Like everyone get in the vehicle. So you guys get in the vehicle. Yeah. And, well, we'll, and the first thing we realized is half the doors don't work. Passenger side is inoperable, can't open. Uh, so we all had to come in through the driver's side, mm -hmm. uh, front and back. Um, and then, and, and it was then that I was like, okay, this is going to be way more hands-on than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And this taught me a lot, but that was the first like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to be able to just kind of sit back and observe, right? This right. is, this is hands-on and this is right from the jump because I didn't have an expectation. Mm -hmm. I was outside my comfort zone, just trying to acclimate and, and trying to put myself in the situation. Yeah. Right? And, what, and what I loved about you guys was that you embraced the scenario, right? Right. Like right before the, right before the course started, I said, here's the scenario. 
And scenario training is very effective because it allows the students to have some context to what they're doing. Uh-huh. And, you know, when we ran breakout, we had a, a imaginary country called Deseret. We had uh, <laughs> this whole thing like the the People's Liberation Army or whatever. And, you know, it, we had an elaborate cover for what they were doing. And this right. one was simple. It was like, hey, you're you're helping a friend demolish a bathroom. Uh, you're parked inside their driveway. You take their car to go get extra supplies. And on the way back, you wreck. And now mm-hmm. you're dressed for the weather because and the, you're at the bottom of a canyon. And you're at the bottom of a canyon. No one can see you. Mm-hmm. Save your ass. Right. Um, do you remember the first thing that I told you guys? Yeah, dude. I've been going <laughs> over that like a ton because you're like, okay, uh, you have to get out of the seatbelts, but you can't use a knife. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that's when it you know started to feel a little more real because you're like, oh, this is a shot up car. This will be fun, right? Yeah, a different yeah. experience. It's it's not something, this is the other thing I've been thinking about a ton. This isn't something that you can replicate easily, right? Right. right. I mean, unless you go to a junkyard, right? You're not going to be able to find a car that you can do what we did to a vehicle. Right, right. And, you know, in a lot of these winter survival classes, and I've run them before in the past, Students are using their vehicles, right? but there's always the reminder, hey, this is training and right. you're not going to take a knife to the backseat of your $40,000 SUV. Right. In this case, we're like, yeah, by the way, rip up whatever you want. Yeah, you know, like, no, absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you, I mean, I have a lot of gear in my truck anyway in the winter, in the summer, all, all the time. I did do maybe a little bit more sandbagging thinking, oh, mm-hmm. this will be fun. This will be easy. Yeah. This will this will be this will be cool. Right. And uh, and knowing the gear that I had in my truck, I was like, I got this. And we get lulled into a false sense of security because, you know, Kevin Owens did not want this class to be let's grab our go bag or let's grab our emergency kit that's filled with all this stuff because that's what you want. He's like, no, this is going to be improvisation. You Mm -hmm. guys are going to be challenged. You're going to let the students use critical thinking. And I I loved the format. Um, So. You guys get tasked with cutting out of the seatbelts. Uh, and the, you, do you remember your first uh, plan of action? You guys, yeah, because you guys were very vocal, and I loved it because it was kind of like, remember that show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Oh, for sure. And Regis would encourage people, like, "What are you thinking?" Right? Yeah. And I just sat back and I was like, you know, watching the little thought bubbles yeah, pop yeah. up and, and listening to you guys talk. But uh, what so, were you get? What, what was your first course of action? So my first course of action was to think to use what we had in the vehicle mm-hmm. in terms of tools. And we had a hammer, a crowbar, and uh, and a pretty weak uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a screwdriver, yeah. right? So my thought was, well, maybe I can use um, the wedges in the crowbar to cut through the the webbing of the seatbelt. Or if that doesn't work, maybe pry off mm-hmm. um, the seatbelt from the frame, from the B-pillar, Um yeah, that was an exercise in futility. Yeah, as I as I told you guys, and the look on everyone's face was like, yeah, he's got a point. And but meanwhile, it's common sense. Yeah, like that seatbelt is designed to withstand the impact of two vehicles, like four thousand pound vehicles hitting each other at what speed? And we as human beings think with a couple hand tools, we're going to defeat that. Like, right. I, and I'm sitting back. I'm like, maybe it's the cold. Maybe it's these guys like thinking, hey, the seatbelt material is really tough. Well, let's try something else. I'm like no, try, try something else. And what did I point out to Monica? And then you guys, it, it was the, uh, it was the trim. Yeah. Right? It was the, yeah. it was the cheap, not quite uh, it's metal, but it's like pot metal. Right. Trim on that old Lincoln town car. Yeah. And you right? guys broke it off 
and yep. cut right through it Dude, fast. Razor sharp. Her first idea was awesome, and that was let's take some glass off the off the windshield. Um, but my concern was wrapping it or you know keeping from getting cut yeah. or that safety glass. You know when it sh- breaks, those slivers, <laughs> dude. We'd be, we'd still be picking them out if we'd used it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, not trying to. I can. I'm pretty vocal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I and I don't mind sharing my opinions when asked. But I was like, I don't know that that's the best idea. And so we kept trying to think. And you know, you post a little video, and you're like pointing to that. Yeah, yeah. To the trim, and um, but yeah, that trim worked worked a treat, and it was wicked sharp. Um, surprisingly sharp, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, and we cut out, um, initially you said here, you have 15 minutes without your blades to try and figure out this problem on how to get out of the vehicle. Right. Because I said like in an accident, shit goes flying, right? Yeah. Like, or you're in a position with all this twisted metal and all this, all the twisted, you know, uh, fabric and materials inside the vehicle that are that's completely limiting your access to the knife in your pocket. Right. Or maybe you had it up on the dashboard and now right. it's outside the vehicle. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and then after that, you were like, okay, one of you sustained yeah. a bleed, right? It has a, has a deep wound that you have to, uh, stop the bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, this is easy. We just, we just took off you know, these seatbelts, yep. let's cut off the other end and use that as a tourniquet. Yeah. Um, and then we use the, the screwdriver to, uh, to provide some crank and torque on that. Yeah. Like a windlass. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and Al was like, oh yeah, no, that's, <laughs> 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 that'll do the trick. Yeah. Later on, he, we'll get to the story later on, but, uh, yeah, he almost sustained an injury that re- would require an actual tourniquet. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, I think some of the key points that were driven home. And I mean, I think one of the the values of listening to this podcast is that we can provide some lessons that people should just learn. Number one is dedicated tools work better than improvised. hundred percent, hundred percent, right? Like, and if we are aware that this is the case, why aren't we staging tourniquets in our vehicles where we need them? Right. Mm-hmm. If you guys wonder like, why do we have this visor panel from Fieldcraft? Well, one of the pouches is a med pouch. Another pouch could hold a seatbelt cutter, right? Like it's immediately within reach. Uh, I think another thing that was, that became very apparent was before all the instruction, I said, guys, traditionally in survival, we talk about the stop protocol, mm-hmm. stay put, think, observe, plan. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the OODA loop, right? Uh, observe, orient, decide, act. And I said how stop is great if you get lost because you stay put, you think, you observe, plan. But I also mentioned to the students, I'm like, what I don't like is that it just says plan. It doesn't say act. Right. And when the students in this class were you know, going through these different problems, you know, and I'm pointing in the video, like, look at the metal, look at the metal. Like it was literally right in front of Monica's face. Yeah. And you know, the, I think what happened was I pre-framed you guys to think glass is sharp, glass is sharp. Be careful where you sit. Let's sweep everything out. Right. And you guys thought the only sharp material in that vehicle was glass until you observed. Right. And then you decided to use the, the thing. So that was awesome. Like to see that play out in real time. Yeah. Was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Plus there's tons of that metal being shot up. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's sharp everywhere. Right. Right. And I think your point earlier that you said how, like we couldn't even open the door. Yeah. We assume like if we have to get out of a vehicle after it wrecks, the door's going to work. Right. But I mean, it most didn't, of the time 
there will yeah. at least be one one side or one door that is inoperable. Yeah. Right. So I think it's important to recognize like what's your alternate plan to get out of that vehicle if that door can't open. Yeah. How do you get out? Right. Yeah. You go straight Dukes of Hazard. You know yeah. what I mean? Like totally. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or or use a different door. Right. Right. I mean, you're not pinned in in this scenario, right? Yeah. Um so one thing circling back you when we were talking about the tourniquet and throwing that on Al, mm-hmm. um you uh you pointed out that one of the pieces of uh that were in the car that we could use was a t-shirt. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so using that cotton t-shirt to then use that I mean versus two inch webbing, right? That right. that would provide just as effective and probably less tissue damage, right? right. Um because if in a real scenario, if, had we used the seatbelt on a leg, right? <laughs> that the loss of limb is almost assured. Yeah, one one of my good buddies, uh Kyle DeFore, uh, he runs DeFore Performance Shooting. Uh, I took a class with him a while back. Uh and he, Kyle's on like the forefront of like being super lightweight, being innovative, like very resourceful dude. Uh, he, uh, he talks about using the rectangle in your t-shirt or a spare t-shirt to create uh, a makeshift pressure bandage. Mm-hmm. Right. And he said, everyone is wearing one and you have two of these big rectangles. So with just a t-shirt, you can in a pinch make an emergency device to stop bleeding. Sure. Right? So I, I think that's very valuable for people to understand. Um, so you finally get out of the car yeah, and then what? So we get out of the car and you're like, okay, great. Uh, you guys have some immediate needs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, water, because we addressed first aid mm-hmm. um, and kind of checked. In my head, we kind of mentally checked that off the list. So yep. I was like, great. Hopefully we don't have to circle back to that. Right. Um, so water, excuse me, fire, um, signaling. Um, mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> and then what are we going to do overnight, right? So we, all, we had all these things. Um, and we thought, well, fire, warmth, you know, in a situation like this, having having the the ability to signal with fire, having something, you know, that would yeah. be super helpful. Um, and you're like, okay, 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Um, once you get going on a task, the time just slips away, mm-hmm. right? And it was probably me. I don't remember who. It may have been me. Thought, well, we've got a battery, right? In theory, this vehicle works. Mm-hmm. So let's open up the engine compartment and um, harvest some some wires from the vehicle, and we can hell with you know we could make anything burn. Right. Um, let's let's try that. Um, and so we began to endeavor to pop the hood <laughs> on on this rig. Um, and and it was uh, it was a it was a valiant effort that we gave uh, that yielded um, poor result. And and you guys went at it systematically, right? Like you said, all right, yeah. you just pull the cable and you pull the cable, but then nothing happened. And the cable like, was froze solid, yeah. man. It was yeah inoperable. So you're like, all right, we can probably destroy the lock. And you're like, we can't get to it, you know? Like, yeah. So you broke the grill and you yep. tried getting to the lock. That didn't work. And yep. then you're like, hmm, well, let's see. I know it's going to hinge here. So you went after like the passenger side hinge point. Yes. And you start, you exposed a lot of it. And then yeah. Alan was like, 
I got an idea. And he yeah. goes to the trunk and he grabs yeah. the jack. Yeah, which was brilliant. Amazing idea. Amazing idea. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's see. Audio kicked out for just oh, a second. Sorry. No, we're good. We're good. You got uh, a little excited there. Yeah, I'm moving around here. No, we're, we're good. Uh, so, so Alan goes to the trunk. He grabs the jack. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be freaking awesome. And I'm, yeah. think, I'm already thinking like from like a media standpoint, I'm like, this is going to look so damn cool. Like right. that thing is going to pop open. Oh, and, yeah. And just, you know, amazing stuff inside. Well, you start applying the jack and it's making progress. Yes. But then at one point he's cranking on it. Well, actually, wait, before you're like, let's get that jack really in there. And you start hitting on the end of the metal jack with the metal hammer. Yep. And you mushroomed the attachment. Yes. And I saw like a wave of just disappointment flush Uh, over everyone. Like, oh my God, we just destroyed our tool that was going to provide us access. So guys, wooden impact tools on metal surfaces. Yes. So, so then you get the, he gets the jack in, he starts cranking on it and we hear it going like, and slipping. we can see it buckle, yes. right? The hood is starting to open up and buckle in the center part of the hood. Right. So we're, we're basically over the wheel well. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of tackling. T- yeah. It's yeah. tackling up. Um, and we're like, okay, cool. This is, this is working. Right. We're going to now all we need to do is the other side and we're we're home free. Right. So he goes over there, starts cranking on it. And then it's like whoop, it slips and Dude, it nails him in the thigh like it was. Lubri- yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shot out hard and hit him on the inner thigh. And I was like, oh, he's going down. Yeah. And, and guys, I mean, I'm not saying it flew out with like the velocity of a bullwhip, but let's just put it this way. A bullwhip is light and it travels fast. Uh, a freight train that's traveling slow can kick the crap out of you can it, kill you. So this thing weighed him. about five pounds and it shot out and it whipped him in the, in the, in the leg. And I'm like, are you okay? He goes, Oh yeah. 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 And then yeah, later on dude, he goes, he, he shook like, it off like a champ. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Oh, that's probably going to leave a bruise. I actually need to follow up with him and be like, can you send me a photo? Cause yeah. maybe we'll use that as like the, the still for this podcast, right? Like it's a giant hematoma. Yeah. Um, so at some point you're like, we can't get in the hood. Yeah. Well, so because of where we, we'd done that, we gained access to just the battery. Yeah. The battery was right there, thankfully. So had we had the battery been operable um, and had we decided to continue on that method, I'm confident that we could have gotten, sure. you know, a spark off of that, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, barring all the other stuff that's under that hood, that was our, our main objective. Right. Right. So yes, we did throw in the towel, but we also kind of half achieved the objective by gaining access to the battery alone. Right. Right. And I think what was really interesting was, uh, throughout the day, we kept asking the question like, man, what tool would have made this easier? Like dismantling a car. Like if you had to Uh rely on your, your vehicle as a source of resources, what were some of the tools that you'd want to make it easier? Like, do you recall some of those that, that were brought up channel locks? Yeah. One pair of channel locks. That's it. 12 bucks. Yeah. Right. Uh, the hammer was very useful. Hammer was very useful. The The wonder bar was useful. Yep. You know, it didn't have to be a full size crowbar. Just, no. just leveraging. Yep. yep. Um, and then before the course, I went out and I'm like, man, these students are going to get cut up. So I bought just cheap, extra large work gloves. Yeah. And those are getting passed around from the students. So yeah. like, you guys think about it. Your vehicle is a source of so many different resources. You've got insulation, you've got electricity, you've got 
uh, according to Mikey Hernandez, and it's true, he's like, there's no potable water on that entire vehicle. Like you, Mm-mm. people are like, I'll drink the radiator. It's like, no, no, they're not filling it with water anymore. No it's radiator fluid. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't drink that. Uh, so you think about that, like, uh, even like a utility knife, mm-hmm. right? Just a handful of tools. And now you have the ability to turn your vehicle into other resources, but you yeah. have to be willing to do it, which you, people aren't. Yeah. Well, and, and you, it's not just being willing, mm. right? Having the experience of done doing it on this vehicle. Right. Now, if ever, heaven forbid, I get in that situation, <laughs> I got no qualms tearing the shit out of a car. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting. We talked about experiences and we also brought up the actual case studies. Like right. recently, like when the past six months, we've had the I-95 scenario where mm-hmm. people are stranded on a highway um, and they're being told over the radio, <laughs> go up to truckers, <laughs> knock on the truckers doors and get food from the truckers because they're prepared. And I'm thinking like these guys carry tire thumpers. They are I mean, they work so damn hard. They're exhausted. And now you're going to strain them and potentially make them make a bad decision. Like stupid idea. Yeah. Carry some basic food. And I brought you guys a a winter trail mix, Mm -hmm. which a half cup of it is 300 calories. And if you guys want to make it, it's uh, equal parts, right? There's five ingredients. It's either cashews or pistachios. It's honey nut Cheerios, chocolate chips, butterscotch chips, and raisins. 300, um, 300 calories and a half cup. So if you think about it, a Nalgene bottle will have thousands of calories, 32 ounces. And by the way, you can eat trail mix. It doesn't freeze on you. It's not like you're carrying something that you have to heat up or warm up. And it's not going to give you all your nutrition in one day. Like you should probably carry other food, you know, that you should take in and out of your vehicle every day, but it's a supplement, right? You know? So yeah. And, and taking things in and out, like I always have water in my truck. Yeah. I've got granola bars. I always have, you know, a pound or two of jerky, things that are a little more stable. Yeah. That even if they get hot, you know, because even in the wintertime, right, if it's 35, 40 degrees mm-hmm. today, if it's in the main, if it's in the cab, that's getting 65, 70 degrees when the sun hits it. Yeah. Um, but if you throw it in the bed or in a trunk, that obviously stays much cooler because there's not the insulation and and the windows trapping all that heat. Right. Um, but um, yeah, I... I tend to be a little more lazy, right? <laughs> so when you say bring something in, take it out every day, dude, there, the only thing that I do that with is my hat and my sunglasses. Yeah. By the way, one guy was asking me, he's like, Hey, your boy, Mike, who's that hat by? Oh, so, yeah. So that's, so yeah. So people, I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, I don't ask students about, Hey, Hey man, really cool hat. Yeah. You know, like maybe I should, but who is your hat? From? So that's Tatton Baird. Um, I live in Springville, Utah. Um, he, he did, uh, season one for Yellowstone, all the hats for that. Badass. Um, super cool. His name's Chandler. Um, and yeah, dude, I, I love that hat. So if you want to look like rip, which every guy wants to be rip, you don't want to be Jamie. If you're Jamie, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Um, so everyone wants to be rip. You can get rips hat from that guy. You absolutely can. Yeah. And I actually talked to him about getting one that was more like, um, uh, Ryan, uh, who, who plays, um, uh, the, the singer, right? Um, oh yeah. The one that, that stole the older, uh, guy's yeah, girl. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his real name. It's Ryan something. Anyway, he's, he's a legit country star. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the style of his hat with the high, the high hat. And I was like, you know, that something like that. 
Um, so I, yeah. And because I'm on the water all the time, I need something with a nice wide brim. Yeah. So in the, in the fall, winter, early spring, that's what I'm wearing uh, on the water and, and mostly around town. So yeah, it's a great hat. I love it. Well, you have the hat on the course and getting back to the course because yes. we can easily digress. Like you and I, yep. like we can we can talk yep. about everything. But uh, so you you address fire, right? We yep. we kind of salvage a battery from another car. Um, you address fire with the jumper cables and the gas. Yes. And then I said, all right, next pressing challenge. You got to survive the night. Um, but before you survive the night, like I said, you guys might want to break up the the workload, right? Like mm-hmm. there, there's only so many hands that are are necessary for certain tasks. So do you recall what Monica did while you guys were building the shelter? Yeah, Monica worked on water. Yeah. Um, and before that, actually, um, we delegated and, and Al went and worked on a signal, right? Yes. And a big arrow. Yes. Um, because as you mentioned, you know, nature makes nothing straight. Mm-hmm. So if seen from above, an arrow, a big X, you know, something that, you know, points to or or denotes that there's life down there. Right. Yeah. And at the bottom of a Canyon, no reasonable person's going to spend time there. Yeah. And, and a couple of key points about the signal, uh, cause I want this podcast to be as educational as it is like, Oh my God, I can't believe that guy just said that. Uh, a couple of key things about signals. Number one, think baseline and disruption, right? This is a lesson straight out of Craig Caudill's book. If you guys don't know Craig, he's a, one of our uh, resident, he is our resident tracker, um, nature reliance school director. So he always talks about baseline and disruption. So in nature, there are no arrows, right? Not, not like that. There are no giant axes, not like that. Um, so think of what is normal and stand out. The other thing that I brought up at towards the end of the class about signaling is a very simple signal you guys can make. And it honestly, it doesn't cost that much. Get an old tent pole that's mm-hmm. like 15, 20 feet long and put flagging tape on it. Keep it in your vehicle. And if you go off the side of the road where you're in a ditch where it's snowing and there's no way for someone to see you from eye level, well, raise the level of your signal by extending that tent pole up. And now if a person is driving by, they're going to see a giant pole with a flag on it. And this is a tip that came from my late mentor, Marty. And Marty actually got a letter from a woman who did this in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And she said that the plow driver saw it, stopped, and it saved her life. Oh, that's right. So I always tell people like, look, these are skills that don't require, you know, some super secret ninja training. Like, right. Just practical. Well, not just in upstate New York, but yeah. also in the Midwest. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. Up in the Great Lakes areas, right, where they're getting feet upon feet um, and people going off the road is common. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're prepared for the type of thing that we did mm-hmm. with gear and food because a lot their car gets disabled. They slip off, right. They hit black ice, whatever. Um, and they get stuck in a, in a, in an embankment. Yeah. And, and if they're in there for a couple hours, their car's getting covered up. Right. Right. And, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how a very, very thin layer of snow can make a car disappear. 100%. And especially when it's already snowing and the visibility uh, because of like the, the haze and the, the fog, like it's turning everything like that white grayish color. Mm-hmm. Car can disappear so fast. Yeah. Um, so you guys built a shelter. Monica worked on the water generator, which was smart. You guys actually used a window uh, window shade. Yeah. A visor visor with heat, with a hand warmer packets underneath, underneath, and then yep. an emergency blanket on top with a thin layer of snow and it melted the water. Yeah. Yeah. That worked 
really quickly. Yep. Right. Um, being at the elevation we are, and neither Al nor Monica are used to being right at six thousand, right, which right. is w- about where we are mm-hmm. now and where we ran the simulation. Um, if you are not used to the elevation, not only is your cardio not up to snuff, but you don't realize how much moisture you're losing oh, yeah. by breathing and just you know off your skin, right? right. And my beard you know, an hour in was really damp and like almost wet because of all the water vapor I was exhaling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those are things that in colder temps it would freeze and I'd be like, Oh, okay. I, I just mm-hmm. gotta, I, I have to, I gotta hydrate a little bit more. I mean, when I, I didn't tell you this, but when I got home that night, I, li- I drank over two liters of water <laughs> yes. um, because I'm just not used to that type of exertion in right. the winter time. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, staying hydrated is, is paramount. Yeah. Um, and you get, and like I said, you guys made an awesome water generator mm-hmm. in those emergency blankets, right? Like one of them is five bucks. Yeah. So again, like if you want to have a tool that came in handy later when you built the shelter, yes. uh, carry a few emergency blankets in your vehicle and realize they can be used for more than just wrapping someone up in. Yes. Right. Like they have a lot, I mean, it's brightly colored, so it's a signal mm-hmm. it can, it can trap water. So it's good for water collection. And by the way, you can use it as it's intended and it can reflect your body. Heat. So, Absolutely. so you guys took two of them mm-hmm. as part of your shelter and you made a bivy sack. We did. Yeah. With, you gave us a big roll of duct tape, you know, <laughs> you know, shout out to MacGyver. Hell um, yeah. Even but, though, even though he was an anti-gun guy he, he is and tor- Henry Winkler was an anti-gun guy, it kind of formed my opinion of, Hey, I should carry a knife on me. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a great meme, by the way, where it's like your childhood is defeated when you see a picture of MacGyver not being able to fix his car. And like, right. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but no. like, Oh, it's totally apropos for this. So I remember as a kid though, thinking, why doesn't this guy have a gun? But I'll tell you on the, the show in the, in the pilot episode of MacGyver, Mm-hmm. He is rescuing a pilot from uh-huh. the top of a hill. And in that episode, he picks up an AK-47 and he mercs people. Does he really? If you watch the pilot episode, the opening scene, and it's if you guys are fans of MacGyver, and I'm sure plenty of listeners of the podcast are, it's the one where he takes a flare pistol. He takes a rock. He pounds the flare pistol muzzle so it looks like a, like a, like a, um, I don't know, like a pasta shooter or something. Yeah, yeah. And he uses it totally cheesy. He uses it as like a jet pack gun and he launches the pilot and him off the cliff. So, so <laughs> such bullshit. But in that episode, he, there's a scene and you got to watch it carefully. MacGyver picks up the AK 47 and he just mercs people. Nice. So, yeah. All right. All right. So getting back, yeah, <laughs> get back to the duct tape and the yeah. space. Blanket. So, so we used, we closed up three sides. Um, and then because the passenger side doors still don't work, Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to pick up any uh, glass in our clothes. We actually had across the seats, <coughs> excuse me, across the seats, we put cardboard that was yep. in, in and around the, the vehicle um, because I'll tell you that vinyl sucks. Yeah, it does. Sucks the heat off your skin and clothes. Um, so, but it's funny too, when it's hot, it's like the surface of the sun mm-hmm. on bare skin. Anyway, um, so we put, a little bit of an insulation layer with cardboard for our butts uh, and legs and had Al get in first, then Monica uh, and then me. And then we kind of gently 
because you know these emergency blankets yeah. are, are thin and and pretty fragile, right? They're not meant to be super durable. Uh, we put kept our boots on, put it over our boots, legs, and up to about you know our pits is where we were able to um, to keep it, um, and then. With the third blanket, we closed off the back half of yeah. the vehicle. Right, such a, such a good idea, by the way. Well, and I stole that from you watching your Insta stories. <laughs> um, I'm like, I'll never need to use this. And then, you know, two weeks later, I'm like, hey, this is a good idea. Um, so we closed that off. And then with um, insulation and the lining from the trunk. Right. <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> got a tickle. Uh, we, we secured and, and kind of battened down. Uh, the rest of the the windows that had blown out, um, the windshield and the, and the passenger and the driver side fronts, um, and then we closed ourselves in. Yeah, and and it actually was um, more than survivable, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. I wouldn't say comfortable, but with the three of our bodies close together and that blanket and protection from elements. I, I could easily see myself, you know, sleeping in that kind of a situation. Yeah. And I think it's something like if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I want to try something like that. You don't have to tear up your car to see what it's like to spend a night in your car in a similar scenario. You can get one space blanket or even like a, a contractor cleanup bag for like mm-hmm. a 55 gallon uh, barrel. And you can close off the inside of your car by by sealing that bag inside the doors when they shut and then you can get inside of a space blanket or i recommend bivy sacks more than blankets because the the space blanket it's hard to stay underneath it and it's always flapping so if you can get into a blanket better and get your feet up off the ground and get up on the seat where the cold air isn't trapped you Mm -hmm. know so uh, you can do this in your backyard and if it gets too if it gets too cold there's no shame in saying i need to adjust i'm going inside to warm up i'll Mm -hmm. do it tomorrow you know um so now I don't want to give away everything because there is going to be a YouTube video. Cool. Um, but you guys got out of the vehicle. You uh, addressed getting to the top of the hill. You came up with a few different ways and ultimately said, hey, buddy assist is going to be the way to go. Yes. And then we had this great after action where you pointed out some things for me as an instructor. We're constantly trying to sharpen our steel here. Yeah. And you said, hey, it was great that you gave us an idea, but I think you should also like just call people out and be like, hey, what about your idea? Yes. What about your idea? So if you guys are going to take this in the future, realize every voice is going to be heard because there's always someone that comes up with an idea that maybe is afraid to speak up until they're given the spotlight. Right. You know, um, but then there were some great takeaways where you guys said, Hey, my, my practice is going to change. I'm going to do this. Right. So do you recall any of those? Like what, what people said? Well, I know channel locks were huge, right? That was, that was a big piece of kit. Mm-hmm. Um, Monica said she's going to take a couple more emergency blankets and put that in as part of her kit. Um, I think for me, the biggest takeaway was in a stressful situation. And this wasn't, you know, as stressful as you could have made it, which we talked about. Right. Um, But certainly, you know, more stressful than daily life. Mm -hmm. Right. Certainly outside of the my comfort zone is coming up with the ideas and before committing like 30 minutes to trying to pop open a hood, right, with three people. So, you know, we effectively used an hour and a half of man hours right, right, to something that ultimately didn't really succeed um, is prioritizing different ideas. So not just, you know, in your normal everyday life and you guys preach the, the pace doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. Primary alternate contingency emergency. Um, 
But using that doctrine in these scenarios in the beginning to then help us and to be able to incorporate that in, in your daily life, right? right? right. That's huge. To then say, hey, this is going to be something that will be helpful to me down the road to, to be able to make better decisions. And, you know, you learn by making the wrong decisions, right? Right. And, and screwing up. That's fine. But if you don't have a backup or if you've already, you know, committed so much time and effort, I'm stubborn enough that I'll say, screw it, I'm going to make it work. Or, you know, halfway through, maybe just be like, forget it. And then abandon the idea altogether. Right. So instead of helping to innovate and require a little bit more um, thought in the beginning, I think we'll in time be more efficient. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the other things that we we talked about that just uh, layers onto what you just said is yeah. your initial plan might be I'm staying with the vehicle. I'm staying with the vehicle. But at some point you have to realize in the same way that you abandoned going after the hood. Yeah no one's going to find me here. I need to walk, right? I need to have a mobility plan. So, you know, it was interesting because when you guys first showed up to the class, Al was like, well, should I put on my winter boots? I'm like, yeah, you should, because you're going to be standing in snow. And even that decision, like I wear light hikers almost year round, but in my vehicle right now, I've got my 20 year old Sorel pack boots Yeah, because I know that if my vehicle breaks down, I can throw on my rucksack. I've got spare clothes in there and I'm healthy enough. I'm fit enough. And barring any injuries, I'm going to walk to yeah. the nearest town. Right. No problem. And and for me, in that situation, my first inclination would have been grab what you can, grab what you need, and move. You right. know, you're, you're new enough here to Utah, that, um, and you drive up and down Provo Canyon every day. Yeah. You haven't seen it being closed off for four, five, six days from avalanches, <sighs> right? Canyons in Utah in the snow are dangerous vectors for not just avalanches, but falling rocks and, mm. you know, all sorts of different, I mean, it, nothing good happens. You brought, the, you brought that bottom. up during the class. Yeah. You, you said, Oh, by the way, uh, you know, this time of year when it thaws, you'll have rock slides. Oh yeah. And, and not huge. Right. But I was fishing last week and, um, where I parked, um, I thought I'll just park over here where I typically don't, um, because normally I park up against this hill and when I went to leave, um, it was south facing, south yeah, south facing ish, and uh, and the sun had heated up that hill, and a boulder, probably 85, 90 pounds, oh my god, came rolling down, I don't know, 15, 20 feet, but with enough momentum that if it had hit my rig, you know, it it would have been ugly. Oh, I bet, right? I bet. And and it's you know, it was fourteen, maybe eighteen inches in diameter. Um, that's got some momentum. Yeah. So not, if you're not outside enough, you don't understand, you know, what happens when, when no one's watching, right. In right. right. unmaintained wild. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's, it's one thing to, to listen to this podcast and to read the blog and to watch the video. It's another thing to get out and experience it. I'll tell you guys, like people will say afterwards, like, man, I would have paid double to like that's worth the price of admission. I would have paid double what yeah. that car course cost. Um, we're planning on doing this again. We'll cool. probably do another one here in Utah. Uh, Kevin Owens wants to do one in the desert. He wants to do one in the Everglades. 
if have you fun could, with that guys yeah i know right <laughs> and, and of course kevin owens is like dude we'll fly you there and i'm like kev i gotta teach them the freaking everglades yeah. like, like listen I, I i don't mind the swamp so much there's yeah. a lot of good resources there but i hate the freaking bugs yeah so this uh, fat boy will not be attending that one <laughs> so if you had any advice for someone who's on the fence like i want to take that class i don't know like going into it yeah what's your advice for them uh, my advice is getting outside your comfort zone is where real learning happens. Yeah. Um, you you can't you can't replicate some of the things that you offered, and and the experiences that you shared, or the the um, just the experience, right? You can't you can't use a shot up car to break yourself out, right? There there are certain aspects of this that are not replicable you can't replicate easily. Yeah. Um, plus your experience is way deeper in the survival game than is mine. So learning from someone who is, uh, you know, a pro makes a huge difference. So I would say do it because you don't know what you don't know. And even if you're never found in that, you never find yourself in that scenario. There will be many other parallels that you can draw from or experience that you can rely on down the road to, you know, enhance or, you know, help you with your, your own survival or your own confidence in being out in the wilderness. Yeah, spot on. And I'm going to I'm going to steal the final word on the on the course. Guys, don't wait to experience something like this <laughs> when it's the first time when it's actually happening to you. Experience it in training. So when you get to an emergency where it's similar, you can say, I've done this before. I got right. it. Um, so now that course guys, it's good times. Please check it out. Um, but we got other stuff that we're going to do with Mike and let's just talk a little bit about Mike and then we'll, we're going to sign off cause we've been running our suck for a while. Um, so your background, you're our, you're our local guide. We, mm -hmm. you know, I've tapped, uh, you know, into your knowledge base for animal butchering and, and I've had your, your goose pastrami, which is freaking ridiculously good. Thanks, man. Um, and your cowboy candy. Um, yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that we were talking about with our with our classes that we want to yeah. do. So um, because of the access I have to wild game, um, both from my own efforts and others, um, I put a knife on, I don't know, 15 to 25 big game a year. So I butcher, I break down. I don't buy really meat from the store unless it's a little bit of chicken. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even my pork, I, I slaughtered and butchered myself. So, um, I, I run a knife a lot. Um, so breaking down animals, um, processing, uh, roast grind sausages, jerky, uh, pastrami. I mean, I, the only thing I really haven't done, um, because I don't have all of the kit for it right right now is salami mm -hmm. but pretty much everything else um i do and i'm yeah. i'm a foodie so i it's not just it's not just decent right it's oh it's damn good it's really good I've stuff yeah and and so we we do a lot of our own food prep um canning mm -hmm. um meat canning which a lot of people are nervous about um I mean, you had my chimichangas. Those are incredible. And Danny right? still raves about them. Yeah. You know, and and that was the night that, that he put hands, you know, first time on a deer and we broke those two down. But um, it's it's fun to be able to break down these animals and then use the different cuts in the ways that 
I have found to be the most, you get the most flavor and the most fun um, out of them. And then when you share it with people, they're blown away and it's not, you're not, uh, you know, I'm not a five-star chef, right? I, uh, this isn't, these aren't difficult techniques, but if you don't practice them or if you haven't been shown, uh, it can be daunting. Yeah. Right. And you know, you know what I love about the skill set that you offer and I, and you know, in my experience as a survival instructor, like when I've done, you know, kill classes where mm-hmm. we'll have chickens or we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll butcher something like a goat. Right. Right. Um, I love watching a person who has never done it before do it for the first time because right. I, in my opinion, like you can only have, this is going to be unpopular, but I don't care. You can only have so many handguns on you at one time, right? right. You're going to buy another one. Okay. That's great. You're going to buy another one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, can you butcher a rabbit or clean a fish? <laughs> and if you can't, you're about as useful as three handles on a warm piss pot. Right. Um, so I will tell you that like, I love watching a person learn a true survival skill that if they did have to provide for their family, yeah. now they know how to without completely destroying an animal, ruining the meat or whatever. Right. And I really think like in terms of, of this idea of community that we're building as one of our pillars of preparedness here at Fieldcraft, like you need to know how to put food to table. 100%. So I, I love the idea of what we're going to be doing with you. Um, and you guys should be paying attention to the content that we're going to be putting out on uh, American Contingency. Uh, we're going to be putting out on, you know, locals on YouTube with Mike, because like I said, he's a wealth of, in, of information and, and I cannot wait to uh, get started on that project. So and, and one last thing I'll say, yeah. too, um, the thing that I like most about the butchering and and taking something from you know, whole animal skin on guts in to something that's really good is that so many of those skills are transferable from, you know, squirrel right to moose and damn near everything in between, right? right? If you have a basic understanding of that physiology and the, and the anatomy, it doesn't matter, right? It's just, you know, how much work is it? Right. Absolutely. Um, we always wrap up, or at least I try to wrap up every one of my podcasts with some like fast questions, okay. questions and answers, then we'll right sign on. off. So you're, you've got a fly fishing background. Yes. Serious fly fisherman. I mean, you're out every month of the year. Yeah. Um, if you had to recommend five of your most proven fishing flies for a survival situation. Yeah. Do you have five that you'd recommend? Yeah. Um, so are we talking... River, river, R- river or pond, mount, like mountain river or yeah, like still water. Like it, you have it in your kit and okay. it's going to work in many places. Maybe not the best, but okay. it's going to work. Number one would be a pheasant tail. Um, super simple. I just tied up a couple dozen yesterday. Uh, pheasant tail, um, sow bug, uh, some sort of midge. Um, they'll eat on those year round. Um, I would, you also need something like a, um, a woolly bugger, something a little bit bigger that will attract the predator instinct in fish as well. Not just the feeding instinct. Um, that's four. Let me think. Um, uh, maybe something weighted, uh, Maybe, maybe like a, a Euro style, like a Paragon or something like that, mm-hmm. that can imitate a lot of different things. So maybe like the, the Spanish bullet or something like that. Maybe. Okay. Those would probably be my, my five. All right. Yeah. Next question. By the way, I'm not going to give you any feedback on your response. I'm just going to next I mean, question. Yeah. All right. So next question. <laughs> uh, 
what are some items that you every day carry? Uh, I always carry, um, I've got a Spyderco knife. I have my lip balm because I've got big lips and it's dry as hell out here. Um, I carry a SIG 320X compact with the Romeo One Pro. Um, my wallet with cards, cash, uh, sunglasses always, and, uh, and a hat. Favorite beverage? Dr. Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) And it shouldn't be, but Dr. Pepper and then the cream soda, Dr. Pepper, dude, that's, that's dangerous. What are you driving? And when's the last time you were stuck? (laughs) So I drive, I drive an F-150, uh, quad cab, six and a half foot bed, um, with some burly tires. I was just stuck, uh, less than three weeks ago. Um, and gave you a call to, uh, to help me, help me out of a, of a nasty, uh, ditch that I thought was a continuation of the road. I got stuck frame deep in snow and then just nasty pudding mud. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was an adventure. If you could have any trip, any expedition, Anywhere in the world that you would want to go to do an activity, what would it be? Where would you go? Man. Um, So there's a couple that are at the top of my list right now. Um, It's going to include fishing and or hunting. Um, I've been pretty fortunate in the last couple of years. Right now, um, probably if it's just fishing, it would be for... uh, Taman or Taiman in Mongolia. Um, they're the biggest salmon species in the world and they are absolute monsters. Um, but I, I love Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so being able to fish and hunt, uh, for a week, two weeks in the back country only, you know, with only a couple people around me, that's, I'm going to fall back to that every time. All right, guys, last question. Uh, guys, you're going to see Mike a whole bunch. We have yet another Mike at Fieldcraft Survival, right? We got Mike Hernandez, Mike Lover, and we got Mike O'Brien. Um, so where can people find you if they're interested in guiding? Where yeah. can people find you if they want to follow your exploits? So uh, my my business account, um, Fly Fish With Me Utah, is my Instagram handle, at Fly Fish With Me Utah. Um, and my website is still in in process, but I've got that as well flyfishwithmeutah.com. And then my, my personal Instagram, which I've been toying about renaming is M-L-O-B-1, then O-N-E. So M-L-O-B-1-O-N-E. Um, I post in the wintertime, it's a lot of food prep, a lot of food recipes that I've been cooking, and then a little bit of fishing. Um, and in the summer and fall, it's a lot of fishing and hunting. Awesome. Guys, uh, Please keep checking out the Fieldcraft Survival website. We're posting classes all the time. Take a look at our socials. Take a look at all of our accounts. You're going to see more and more content like this. Um, you know, we love running and gunning. We love driving our, our go rigs, but we also like getting our hands dirty and practicing these uh, true fieldcraft and survival skills. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, man, it was super fun. Thanks. Oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a quick hour, by the yeah. way. Yeah, was that an hour? That was one hour. Right on. Uh, so, uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. Please check us out and uh, come and train with us.